are back. We are officially, for real, honest to God, no live to tape. We are live today on YouTube. Hello. Hello to David, who is shot off like a cannon on, guys, what has got to be the least productive week of the year. The week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, you know, we're here. We're, we're Greg's in Atlanta. He's bucking the trend. But for most of us, it's just one of those weeks where uh, technically we're all at work. But are we? Are we really? Uh, Greg, I do want to get to you, though, as as uh, you are in Atlanta talking to people and seeing things and being at practice. So uh, very valuable amount of information you've got for us this week about what's going on with the Nittany Lions. First off, happy belated Christmas, happy early, happy new year. And what do you got for Penn State coming up? Uh, what they've been talking about this week in Atlanta. Yeah, same to you guys. Good morning. So today was defensive players. So Anthony Poindexter led a group of five Nittany Lion defenders to a news conference at 830 this morning. That wrapped up about eh, 45 minutes ago or so. Um, it was the same guys that talked at local bowl media day, so not a whole lot of news news coming out of it. Obviously, two guys that were there, Adisa Isaac, Curtis Jacobs, three actually, Daquan Hardy, uh, made their NFL draft declarations between then and now. So uh, Adisa Isaac was the most recent one, made it last night, said that he was, you know, had some thoughts going back and forth in his head about what he wanted to do, finalized his decision and announced it pretty late last night. So uh, he's happy with it. He's good to go for the NFL. He is going to play in the Peach Bowl. He said as a captain, he felt like it was – I'm going to use the word. He didn't use this word, but I'm going to use it. Obligation to play uh, him and the rest of the captains, Theo Johnson and the others. So I uh, hope be there. He's definitely going to play the first half. He said he may dial things back in the second half, going to kind of play it by ear. So we'll see. But I think that gives you, if nothing else, a window into uh, something James Franklin guys has spent the better part of a month actually more talking about and how they craft the plan with these guys to try and get them to play in the game and not opt out, but also realize that, you know, they're one uh, day away, essentially from uh, one game anyway, away from going to the NFL draft and starting to realize their dreams in that perspective. So, you know, we'll see. I think that, you know, some guys will be on different uh, snap counts than others, but ultimately you got, these guys are going to be out there on the field and uh, we'll see what they, we get from them uh, defensively with uh, Anthony Poindexter leading the way. Yeah, it, the, I think the hardest part about putting any prediction or any thoughts into a bowl game at this type of year, it, even with Penn State, with an opt-in culture of guys that normally maybe in other situations would be going to the NFL draft, would be following Chop Robinson, not playing in the game. We don't know how much they're going to play. So if it's just right. from a baseline level, how important is it to have these guys as a part of the travel roster being there in Atlanta and participating to whatever level it is? How important is that? Yeah, I think it's important for like the entire team culture. And I think the team culture is pretty strong right now as, as evidenced by, you know, what they've what they've had with the portal, especially over the last couple of years and not a ton of surprises, not not the big guys jumping or anything like that. So I think that, that that's a credit to, you know, what James Franklin's been able to build and what they've been able to do over the last several years, because it hasn't been that way. I think, like I said, I think we've gotten this uh, this fog about opt outs after that Outback Bowl, which was, I mean, rightly, it was like eight guys then um, it, it just hasn't happened other than that and so like the exception has become the rule in some people's heads and that's kind of where we're at so kind of figuring out the, the best way to approach things i mean olu is going to be a top 10 pick yeah we'll go conservatively top 10 pick i saw a draft uh, a mock draft that had him going to washington at four i hate to wish that on anybody but you know <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you would really uh, you would really hate if that oh, happens i'm sure I, yeah, and i've been saying the same thing for a long time as, as a washington fan i would hate anyone to go into that organization maybe it's changed now with the new ownership but like 
I'd like a franchise left tackle. That would be nice. Um, I, I miss Trent. I just, yeah, we're not even going to get into that. Um, but uh, boy, you guys knocked me off my, off my, because uh, I, I haven't even thought about Washington football in the last couple of weeks. But anyway, um, but yeah, having Olu there, even if he's on a pitch count, even if he's on something, is number one, good press for Penn State, good press for Olu. Um, it, whether or not it's a judgment on, like people will judge their character for not being there. And I don't think that's, that's right, but they, they yeah. will do that. So they're going to look at Olu and they're going to say, this guy is a team player. This guy wants to be there. This guy wants to do it. Even if he plays 20 snaps, you know, it's, it's going to be, I think, uh, uh, very much a pitch count, a timeshare with Drew Shelton. And of course, Caden Wallace, you kind of got to say the same thing. He's been around here yep. for a long time. He's playing in the game. That's pretty cool. Um, and you want to get your guys work. Um, you want to get Shelton work for next year. So I think that that's, uh, that's where you look at it. On the other side, uh, Kalen King's in a similar boat. Like he's, he's, he hasn't announced that he's going pro, but like we all, all expectations are for him to go pro, but he's in Atlanta. He's practicing with the team. And I think that that's something where you mix Cam Miller in there. You mix Zion Tracy in there maybe a little bit. You play Daquan Hardy, um, who has already made his announcement as well. So I think that that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good thing for Penn State. You're going to miss Chop Robinson. You're going to miss Johnny Dixon. It's, it, it is what it is at this point. But uh, for looking around at the other New Year's Six Bowls, looking at that Orange Bowl that looks just terrible now. like um, Yeah, rightly so for Florida State. Yeah. 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 You know, I agree. I agree with that. But like, hey, man, this yeah. is uh, this is where we're at right now. So, yeah, we, I'm going to come back to you on this question and, and we can we can kind of tag team this if you want. But David asks in the chat. First off, I should start with uh, the unending optimism of David Greeter here setting a stage already. 2024 Big Ten champs. Let's go. He says he says, what type of realistic recruiting impact is there playing in Atlanta on a national stage? How about that D line this year? T Frank? Yeah, the D line. I, I think you should be optimistic. We covered that on the on the recruiting show last week on this. Uh, on the special where I think that there's a lot of uh, and Fitz, Fitz I think did a great job of say, you know explaining why you're taking a couple more chances maybe on guys that have these huge upsides but Fitz um, I, the bowl game in general being at a bowl game especially one this late in the year gives you some more opportunities at recruiting doesn't it and and I know you wrote about this earlier this week so whatever you want to divulge about what's over at bluewhiteillustrated.com go for it so I think the national stage part is important here you look at when the bowl games are this year uh, December 30th is a de facto New Year's Day game, uh, New Year's Day bowl game now. Um, so Penn State's playing in that window at 12 o'clock. Um, that's a prime place to showcase your product. Like, and that's, you're not going up against any other games. You are doing it on a national stage. We've seen this in the Rose Bowl. We've seen this uh, in, in all kinds of places uh, with these New Year's Six games. So that's your biggest thing. It's not so much Atlanta, but it's more the national stage getting in front of the, getting eyeballs in front of these. So you want to look good. You want to look, uh, you know, competent. Um, you know, every year we see some of these teams sort of parlay success in the bowl game to a little bit of juice in January and February, and it doesn't last forever. It's not something that's going to you know change the direction of a program, but it's like, hey, Brent Prize win looked pretty good yesterday, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, in you know, junior days in in Blacksburg in January, they might have a couple extra guys show up. So I think that that's that's the sort of juice that you're looking for. They went to Atlanta, and I, I wrote about this on Blue Illustrated a couple days ago. It's it's a it's a loophole is what they what they do. They invite kids out to practice to an open practice. Greg, you know how we we love those open practices. But when They're it's the open best. To the public, when it's open <laughs> to the public and they don't tell anybody, but when they open it to the public, these guys are allowed to come in. They watch from the stands. It was at Mercedes Benz Stadium. They watch from the stands, can't interact with the coaches, can't talk to the coaches, can't talk to the players or anything like that. But it gives you a sense for a kid from the Atlanta area that's not going to get up for a spring practice, that's not going to get up. Um, 
you know, other basically otherwise to get a look at the program, to get a look at uh, what they've done. They've done it. Uh, they did it in Dallas a couple of years ago, although that was that was less so. That was more, mostly just Donald Driver and Christian coming to the game. They did it in Tampa. This was kind of the first big one for the uh, for the Outback Bowl. Elliot Washington was there. Zane Durant came down, although Zane had just signed a couple of weeks uh, prior to that or a week or two prior to that. So it wasn't really like a like an uncommitted type thing. Um, but you, there was a bunch of talented guys there. Ryan wrote a story about it. And I linked it in my story and I can't remember all of them there. But Elliot Washington is the one that 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 steps uh, that stands out to me. Um, so gives you a chance to just be in a different area. Penn State hasn't really done anything in uh, Atlanta. They, they just signed T.A. Cunningham from Grayson, but you, we, we've documented his story. He's been all over the place. So yeah. maybe gets you a little bit of a foot in the door there. You get a couple of those offers out. You stick fresh in the mind going into the uh, going into the January period. So it's a good opportunity for them locally to to get in front of some some guys. And, and we're only talking a half dozen to 10 guys that were there, but some pretty good players that were on hand. So check that out on Blue White Illustrated. So they're, they're finding the little things to sort of chip through. They're not the only program that does it, but uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool that they make that uh, make that work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and just to, to kind of underline the point of you never know. Uh, last year, the Rose Bowl got Penn State a transfer portal committed receiver. Now it didn't stick, but Devin Carter did commit to the Nittany Lions. Well, like who could right forget after. that experience? Yeah, who could forget that? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you have a couple people heading your way. Beach Wine Guy said, heading up tomorrow with my son. Matt uh, Welshens is currently in the air to Atlanta, so he is heading your I'm way. I'm impressed as this well. is streaming. Good for him. Yeah, what right? airline is that? I got to switch airlines. Well, man. <laughs> well, that's another Good story even, like, itself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and Mike is here to counter the idea that there's not a whole lot of work going on. He says, not the least productive hanging lights, building built ins in his fireplace, and clothes on a home flip yesterday. So, Mike. Mike, ever busy, the the entrepreneur of the group, for sure. Um, if you want to get more information about what's going on in Atlanta and get uh, more from Greg, you can sign up right now for bluewhiteillustrated.com. And if you use the uh, YouTube code, this is special. That's not the one I'm looking for. It's this one right here. Um, there's a special offer for you right now. Two months for just $1. Code PSU1 at Blue White Illustrated gets you two months for $1. So you can get through now through the uh, official national sign day period and uh, into the winter so you can check out what we do we'll have plenty of uh, there's been so many things going on I know personally I'm going to be taking a look at uh, offense corner Andy Colton Nicky a little bit more this offseason looking at Tom Allen doing a little bit more deep dive on some things from this season so all the things I have been able to get to I'll be getting to after all of this is officially over but a lot of great stuff at bluewhiteillustrated.com also want to remind you that if you are in your winter training program the best way to take all those gains and to translate them onto the football field is to train with the best. If you have a center football team that you want to give an edge on the football field, every split second and every movement in the game matters. So train like the best by training with the best. This is the only comprehensive fighting hand fighting program uh, video set for football players available. We're talking about MMA FX from Bruce Lombard from Lombard MMA in State College. He has developed this over a very long period of time, translating hand fighting MMA mixed martial arts into football specific drills for positions to help you shed block 
blocks or, uh, you know, if you're a receiver, shed uh, the, the defensive back at the line of scrimmage and gain an edge. And this is when we say train with the best, we mean somebody who has trained the New York Giants, the Houston Texans, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the University of Washington, Florida, Purdue. I could go on and on and on. And there's a whole list of players for Penn State players that are in the NFL that have trained with Bruce that are having great seasons or have had great seasons in the past. So this is a highly applicable thing that you can use in order to get better at football. And this is for anybody who wants to get better at the game, including high school players, and especially if you've got a football team that you want to train. Two hours of hand fighting and hand speed technique drills. It's professionally done. So there are uh, specific videos. You don't have to worry about becoming an expert yourself. Bruce is there to teach you throughout uh, the videos course as well. Professional videography, different angles, slow motion, visual details, and attention to those details, technical commenting as well. And he has extended the Christmas sale. So use promo code 15BWI to get 15% off at LombardMMA.com backslash shop. We're into December. We're heading into January. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be one of those people that's, you know, going to make you feel anxious about it, but like the, the off season is maturing. If you want to get in uh, with Bruce and, and implement this stuff, it's a great time to do it right now to get an edge for next season. There's all kinds of stuff we need to talk about as well. We haven't even talked about what he does for offensive linemen and the boxing stuff. You can talk to him specifically if you want to do that at MMAFX.net or you can email him Bruce at MMAFX.net as well. So thanks again to Bruce and to MMA, uh, Lombard MMA for being a part here of the show. And all of the information, by the way, is in the video. It's in the link of the description down below so you can check all of that out. Uh, let's get into the game preview. Is what we're here for today is to talk about Penn State Ole Miss. We set the scene, Penn State the players, the veterans that are going on in the NFL, maybe they'll play a lot, maybe they won't play a lot, but let's start with the offense. Um, what is, Greg, what's your assumption on Olufashanu, Caden Walsh, Theo Johnson, the guys you highlighted earlier, what's your assumption on how much they might play in this game? Have you gotten any indication from them? I know Adi says you mentioned gave some specific idea of time, but do you have anything on the other guys? No, no, not really. I mean, I think it'll be very, it'll vary by guy. You know, I, I think if you look at all of those NFL uh, dec draft declaration guys. I think Theo Johnson makes sense as the one that probably will play the most. If I had to predict who was going to long the most snaps of that group in this game, I think it'd probably be him with Curtis Jacobs a close second. But no, you know, when you look at the Penn State offense, uh, the big question here is can they continue the success they had against Michigan State against an Ole Miss defense that is not going to have its best pass rusher and Cedric uh, Johnson? He opted out just as Chop Robinson did. So can they uh, take advantage of that? Can they keep the pocket clean for Drew Aller? And can any of the receivers step up and make some plays like we saw some of them make in the uh, in the Michigan State game? So I think it's a fine matchup for Penn State on offense. But, you know, as we've talked about endlessly from September to through October and then in November, uh, it's just hard to know what you're going to get from this group game to game and even series to series. So uh, I don't want to sit here and say it's a massive edge for Penn State, but I do think it can be an advantage if they can get the running game going. If Drew Aller can have some time to throw and find his open receivers. So yeah. clearly that's the side of the ball that is not as impacted by opouts, um, you know, numbers-wise at least, so we'll see. But um, I like the matchup, but it certainly is not a walk-in-the-park matchup. This is not playing uh, – they're not playing Michigan State again, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's not the number of opt-outs, but both Olu and Caden Wallace, I mean, that's a big part of the offense is keeping you know, Drew Aller upright. So maybe you have you have the depth and everything we talked about all season on, on the defensive side, but the offense, 
maybe me may, maybe impacted in a specific way by uh some of the availability and Fitz, i guess that's my question is uh d- do you think Caden wallace needs to prove anything at this point he's played football a long time but this is the first season i think you would say where he was um above average at everything in terms of his production on the football field. So do you think that this is an area where he's going to play in, in whatever all-star game, he's still trying to collect tape to show NFL teams he can play, um, you know, at, at a high level. And maybe do we see Penn State play him not a tackle, give him some film elsewhere? No, I, I still think they got to keep him a tackle, just given what they have out there. Um, the only like potential like thing that just entered the back of my mind would be flipping him and JB Nelson to see if they can get JB Nelson some time, because I think JB Nelson's going to play some tackle in the spring. So I think that's it. I, I don't think it changes his his NFL outlook. I think he's done a heck of a job. Um, said early in the season he was draftable, and I think he's he's really moved up and done some good things. But I do think his his future is a guard in the NFL. But he also has the versatility to play tackle, and that's obviously a valuable thing for for nfl people to look at so i I think this game is you know on the fence in terms of its value like it again without ole miss without its best pass rusher you know that kind of takes some of the luster off of those tackle against end matchups that we're going to see but at the same time i mean you're still playing a a different style of uh, defense a different style thing uh, and you're going to see his footwork see how everything's going um for him heading into the offseason and it's a nice vault into the offseason he's going to play in the greg is it shrine bowl that he's going to play in yes Um, yeah he's you got yeah, he's going to play in the Shrine Bowl, so it's going to get him, excuse me, an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, show out in front of scouts and things like that. So, I, I to your to, to answer your question, no, I don't think the the uh, the Peach Bowl means a ton in terms of what it looks like for him as a prospect. But you know, he's, I think we're still going to see quite a bit of him out there, just because he's he's going to go out there and do his job. And I think that that's the the other thing to think about is when you get into the heat of things, like there may be a plan to play you fifty percent of the snaps that you usually do, and then there may be a plan where the guy comes to the sideline. And says i'm not coming out like hold <laughs> yeah. on a second like i gotta get back out there so um i'm looking forward to see what he can do i think it's an awesome story um i i i i think selfishly they would have liked to keep him around for another year mm-hmm. um but i don't know how much that changes his future prospects and he's tw- what 23 years old or something like yeah. that right now so yeah. you're gonna see that with a lot of the covid guys like like adisa just announced he's going pro i mean everybody expected him to go pro but he still feels the need to make that announcement because he does have that extra year if he would want it um, so I, I think that that's kind of where we're seeing and, and hopefully, you know, I, I can't wait till these like no, no disrespect to the guys making announcements, but I can't wait until there's not an announcement that has to be made because of the COVID right. year, the COVID year mucks so many things up that, uh, it's, it, it's really tough to, uh, to get around. I hope I didn't skip on the, on the muck there, but, uh, no, I'm looking forward to seeing Wallace and I, and I'm really encouraged by what he was able to do over the last two years, because he was, he was one of those whipping boys that we talk about all that all, all too often and. And uh, really turned around, did a nice job. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. One guy that I think can affect the offense and affect how Penn State might even look different than they did at the end of the season. And this is with this particular team. It, it not only do we have these, uh, you know, variability of playing veteran players that are going to the NFL, but we also have an o- new offense coordinator for only two games against two teams that were good defense, but maybe not overall good team. And then terrible team that played terribly uh, with Michigan State. So now they're going up against a good team and they might be getting a weapon back and they might look different than we saw previously. So Greg, what, what do you have on Trey Wallace as far as uh, what you've seen this week? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest smile I saw in Atlanta so far this week is from him on the practice field yesterday. I mean, you can just tell how happy he is to be back out on the field. I mean, look, they're not going to, you know, when the availability report comes out Saturday morning, I'm going to expect them to list him as questionable just because. Um, so, we're not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's guaranteed to play based on what I saw yesterday. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Now, again, I don't know if you're going to be able to bring him back in and play him a 100% regular snap load. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, he hasn't played in a while so time will tell on that but he looked good yesterday guys he was uh, doing a drill with Jaywan Sider where they were doing the you know as you guys know and if you ever watch T Frank's practice videos bag drill where they're kind of working on moving through hits and stuff like that and he jumped right over top of it I mean just leaped right over it so uh, he looks good I, I will I do expect him to play and Drew Aller Theo Johnson I mean there were a couple guys today too uh, you, know, I, you know you can say on one hand what else would your teammates say but uh, it was evident and if you read Nate story from yesterday too you'd get the same impression that it's this guy big time and i think maybe it was undervalued how much he was missed this year so getting him back in any capacity is going to be a boost for this offense uh, what are you looking for from the offense fits uh just generally with the way that the season has gone that i outlaid earlier in this particular game what do you want to see from is there anything left that you're interested to learn about the springboard to 2024 or putting a button on 2023 buddy i have no idea because <laughs> you looked at those last two games and they did really good things on offense with jay Wan and ty how calling the place um and i i just i think you're gonna have to try and like squeeze whatever juice is left out of that and then you know before you make the transition to andy coltonicki of course for those listening andy's not gonna put in a new offense and expect them to run it you know by by in what 15 practices or whatever yeah. in december so you're gonna like lean on what you did at the end of the season and you know see if you can get some of that efficiency back and you know really um the the knock on penn state's offense obviously has been there they're playing in big games this is a big game and uh we're gonna see w- how those guys respond how loose is drew aller how much are you gonna try and throw it down the field how much are you going to maybe use a guy like amari evans that you didn't really use all year and how much are you going to run the like lean on running the football as yeah. they wanted to do against michigan state um old miss's defense is not great like it, it gives up points it's going to give you opportunities to find some pockets of space and and it's about it's about what you can do maximizing those pockets of space uh, i agree with greg I, I think trey wallace like he, he's still all potential at this point so like you can't like lean too much on him um but like you look at the way theo johnson talked about him you look at the way drew talked about him like there's obviously that talent is there and they want to find it and and harvest it will he play i don't know i i, I tend to lean conservative in these times with uh with uh, james franklin's handling of injuries like you don't really need to put him at risk if he is at risk right. but the other thing here is like he was it was a lower body injury to start the year then it was a collarbone or excuse me upper body injury excuse me <laughs> tripped up there um to uh to, to finish the year so it's not like it's one thing that continues to bother to bother him so we gonna see uh, i guess how he responds but uh, apparently it's looked good uh, in the time that you've seen him greg the, yeah the they thing- really did I, and i'll just i'll just wrap that up real quick to you frank yeah the thing that caught me uh not by surprise but you know, when these guys, to your point, Sean, with how cautious they are, with good reason, when guys come back from injury, sometimes when they do return, we don't see them do it as much. Like they're kind of off to the side, maybe doing their own thing or whatever. He was in everything. I mean, he was leading the way, too. So uh, you're right. We'll see how it plays out. But he certainly, at least for that eight minute window, uh, pretty good uh, compared to what we saw before. 
And yes, I'm well aware of the responses. Yes, he does need to do it on the field. Like we, we hear the practice stuff. We hear the, uh, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the physical exploits and things like that. Cause he has all that stuff in him, but yes, he does need to do it on the field at some point. So we, and we acknowledge that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just that I think the injury part, the availability part has played into, you know, a good chunk of that this year where we saw flashes of that production. And, and you can't say he's done nothing because there are certain games where they leaned on him as a chain moving receiver early in the year. It's just those things that just because they didn't happen yesterday doesn't mean they didn't happen. Uh, one thing that I think just to put a kind of an end point on uh, my thoughts about this offense is not only do we have new offensive coaches for the final two games, but as you mentioned, Fitz, they've got 15 practices to change some stuff up. They were running off of, hey, this is what we've been doing. We'll tweak one or two things, and then we got to go play in six days. Now they've had a little bit of time to step back and say, okay, so what do we actually want to implement? You know, we're probably not wholesale changes. The offense will look very similar, but maybe some more substantial but unnoticeable differences, you know, like that we'll point out in the film room some things that will be unique to the to the guys that are running the show there's potential we could see more of that uh in this game leading to just more unpredictability from this offense where they could be uh, vastly different than they were to end the season so I, I think that part is is interesting and you know i guess in my predictions for the game i've leaned on the positive here where i expect the we saw positive production from jay Wan and ty howell um i would expect if you've got in a month you've got more positive production we'll see a more efficient offense given and, uh, you know, just a little bit more time to do all of those things. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying here, the key to the game is to find the most ways and the most creative ways to get Keandre Lambert Smith to throw the football. So I think that's, <laughs> what, I think that's what you were saying. Yes, I want to see uh, more uh, option passes. I, I, I just want him to be an option on every play to throw the football. Every play starts with a reverse pass, you know, a lateral, and then we'll go from there. That's like, that's absolutely what I want. Uh, what that, I, what I really what I really want to talk talk to you about right now is game time. The game is coming up this weekend and you need to get tickets to the game. We've got people that are traveling to the game. I'm assuming they've got tickets, but I know people uh, that will just absolutely ride uh, into the sunset with no tickets and be like, we'll figure it out when we get there. Those are good um, people. Those, yeah, the, those are the people that stresses me out, but they're, they're living life on the edge. Game time can help you win at that bet as well because they have last minute deals they have sales flash sales and they are one of the most they are a guaranteed ticket so uh, you shouldn't have to worry about where your tickets are for your next big event and the next big event is the peach bowl um, it's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind when you purchase you see a view of your tickets you see all prices uh, up front and they buy tickets uh, buy tickets within two taps so download the game time app i'll show you here in just a second if i can get it up uh, quickly on the screen the website but d download the game time app and use the promo code bwi when you do that and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase so check that out and uh here we go chick-fil-a peach bowl mercedes-benz stadium i just put in peach and it knew what i was looking for so you can check out the uh the the site as i said or you can check out the app here is what it looks like um on the screen you can see like we were talking about the flash sales you can see that they got a couple sales going on you can, if you're a high roller, there's one for $600. You're sitting right on the sideline, or you can pick whatever works for you. So check out Game Time and get your tickets to the next big event for you. By the way, it doesn't have to be sports. I, I've mentioned this before. I love going to comedy shows. I love things like that. And they can tell you what you're looking for uh, just by show, 
music, sports. They've got a bunch of different ways to break it all down so that you find the next thing you want to go to. Once again, like I said, download the Game Time app. Use the promo code BWI to get $20 off your first purchase. So let's talk about the defense. We, we started the show talking about how uh, Penn State was getting a bonus it felt like getting some of these veteran players to come back. Kalen King announced James Franklin talked about this. Greg, do you want to get into J- James Franklin's comments about Kalen King and, and his decision to play in the game earlier this week? Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, look, I think that obviously they're happy that he's here with Penn State in Atlanta. How much he plays is up for debate. Um, I think they'll play some. I can't imagine he plays a lot. One other thing, too, I wrote about this is somewhere. I don't remember where at this point, but Ole Miss is one of the worst teams on offense in the country and third down and uh, they don't typically keep the ball very long. They're, they're near the bottom of the country in time of possession. So when we sit here and talk about rep count and snap count, you know, some of these I think are going to be drive based and some are going to be play based. So you might see a guy and you say, wow, he didn't play a lot. Well, if they're playing, you know, if a drive, if Ole Miss keeps going three and out uh, and a guy's going to play every fifth drive, you know, that may not equal a lot of snaps. So keep that in mind too. But yeah, he's here. Johnny Dixon is not. We've talked about him at length. Uh, it was actually funny. It, Anthony Poindexter, I got there at his news conference a little bit late, but the conversation was basically centered around the idea that, you know, he didn't get the job as a defensive coordinator. Did he want it? How did he react to that? Blah, blah, blah. And then the next question was about whether Johnny Dixon is here. And he said, oh, you're going to have to talk to Coach Franklin about that. And someone joked that, you know, that's that comes with the title. And he just laughed. But, yeah, at any rate, we'll see what happens there. Chop Robinson, obviously not here. Um, Adisa Isaac, like I said earlier at the top of the show, going to play, you know, certainly the first half we'll see what happens in the second half Curtis Jacobs I would guess it's the same thing but Sean made a really good point earlier that I don't think is brought up enough and it's that idea that you can go into the game and it goes both ways right you go into the game and say you're going to play the whole thing and then Penn State gets up or down big and you say nah you know let's maybe dial it back or it could be a tight game and you say hey this is my last chance to play for in a Penn State uniform there is no chance I'm coming out of this one score game so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out I would like to be there if they tried to pull Curtis Jacobs off for a rotation like in the, in the <laughs> right. third or fourth quarter and uh yeah that i don't think that would go well yeah no, I, a- I think it goes with a lot of these guys to some degree but at the same time i that's where that whole plan comes in because i do think there's an aspect of penn state having to protect guys from themselves in certain situations depending on what's going on in this game as well so this is this is going to get into uh, a th- I apologize. I'm going to load my opinion into this next question, Fitz. Kalen King didn't necessarily have an exceptional year. I think even if you compare not being targeted as much as he was in 2022, uh, the statistics, the film, he wasn't quite as good as he was in 2022. Given the fact that you know he's a good athlete, but he doesn't have 4-3 speed like, uh, like a Daquan Hardy, and he doesn't have 37-inch arms like a Joey Porter Jr., he doesn't have one of those sticky traits that you just keep coming back to to make him a first round corner I guess is what I'm saying so kind of a similar question to uh to Caden Wallace does he need to do something in this game to put that last thought in the mind of draft evaluators say hey no by the way I am that guy I I'm him and I'm gonna play and I am a first round corner or is this more of you know just be with my teammates and play two-sided here um 
because number one, I, I do think he needs to put some more tape out. Like this year has not been uh, to plan, I guess you would say it. And I don't think he's a first round pick. And I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be go out there and run a four three. I don't think he's going to blow blow guys away testing. I think he's a good player. I think we've forgotten like that he's a good player and yeah. like that that on the horizon of potentially leaving early makes people sour on on people you know more than they probably should. Um, he's had an, an an okay year by his standards, you know. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's that's really where we're going with that. On the other side, like in a bowl game, the worst possible spot, like, and this is kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know, like how, how far we've gone down the Dixon rabbit hole, but like the worst possible spot in, in a one game scenario is corner because you're going against yeah. some really good receivers on one hand, you're putting yourself out there on an island. And when you get beat, everybody knows you get beat. So like, that's a situation where you're looking at like, if Chop Robinson plays in this game and just has an average game, like nobody says anything. If Kalen plays in this game and gets burnt once or twice, people are going to say a lot of things like that. That, that is right. just the nature of the position. And you sign up for it when you play corner. Like this is nothing new uh, on anything. So I think that that's the interesting wrinkle here is like Ole Miss got some dudes at receiver. Like they're going to come out. They're going to spread you out. They got three guys that are hovering right around 50 catches for the year. Yeah. Um, I think uh, 14 or 15 touchdowns between the three of them. So those guys can play. Um, and they're going to put you in different spots and Lane's going to move them all over the field and, and do some creative things with them. So, yes, this is this is a tough matchup for a cornerback that is going to potentially be exposed at, uh, you know, against a pretty good offense. So like like that is my argument there for for, you know, Dixon King, whatever you want to say, like th- that's that's the one position I look at in, in on this field and say, hey, this is uh, this is not ideal to play in this game. Yeah, that might actually affect your money on the flip side. And I just, you know, kind of getting to some of the evaluation of this offense. First off, I, I talked about this on the show yesterday. My whole opinion is out there if you want to check out the Wednesday show. But I was just surprised in general about how much of a running offense this was, how everything is kind of set up off of an almost San Francisco 49ers, L.A. Rams style of running rushing attack but the best part of this offense to me is the vertical passing game with Jackson Dart throwing it down the field right. and honestly that's a good matchup for Kalen King like he's pretty good going down the field going snap for snap with these guys some of his issues I think came in zone coverage where he was trying too hard to jump routes and be uh, an impact player instead of just playing his assignment so if you're forced into a situation where you're running with a guy deep maybe it's a good matchup maybe this is a, a good place for him to to show up but then again if you get beat on those jump balls which sometimes can be 50 50 exactly what Fitz just laid out the worst case scenario is also on the table with dart who's a good deep ball thrower uh greg uh any, any thoughts about and i wanted you to readdress this because kj johnson uh here in the chat has some ambiguity wasn't quite sure about the whole dixon situation expected we have reported for a while now he's expected to opt out he has not been at either practice here in atlanta um i don't you know i, I don't i don't he hasn't made an announcement he's not going to play i don't know how else to say it at this point i mean there's no reason to keep beating around the bush he has not put out an announcement about the draft he has not put out an announcement about opting out but you know after not seeing him at practice and and you know if anthony point if he was going to play i think anthony poindex would have said yeah he's playing i wouldn't have said you got to talk to coach franklin about that so put all yeah. the puzzle pieces together yeah go ahead and, i don't know if you have any more to add there and he, he's out of eligibility anyway so like the right. nfl announcement is irrelevant at no, this point well, so uh, right well we had some guys do it last year anyway that was fun yeah yeah the problem the problem is his bio is off like his bio says like right. would indicate yes. that he redshirted when he was at, at at south carolina and he just does not have that year so yeah um nate actually reported this in early december about dixon so like this is something that's not surprising to uh, our people at blue um so but it's it's certainly you know going to have an impact 
impact against a passing game like Ole Miss. Uh, Yoki Keekly here, Ooh, he says, should note his bio has now been updated. So oh. that's now fixed on the, yeah, we did deal. it. <laughs> All yes. right. I love that. I love the, the clear impact. It's obviously this show that did that. Yoki Keekly back. Uh, he says, good to have you back in my life. We're happy to be here. I'm happy to be back. It, as much as like I enjoy time off, um, I, there is a certain part of my brain that never clicks off. And I was anxious about the fact that I, we haven't been live in a while. So glad to get back in the saddle. Here's a question from Stephen Keel. And uh, Fitz, I'll come to you with this one. DNs, with DNs, uh, being young, I assume, I'm assuming what he's saying here of denied to the Sutton, um, being a, a potential starter in this game. Do you think Abdul will go after the quarterback more in this game? Do you think they'll try to walk him down and use him more as a pass rusher than a hybrid guy and have him in coverage? As usual, I'm going to take a simple question and make it very complicated. So going back to what we talked about with corners, uh, Ole Miss has given up 26 sacks this year. They are vulnerable to, you know, yep. the pass rush. Penn State's got Adisa, Deny, Zariah Fisher, and Amin Vanover, which is a pretty good rotation of defensive ends. So I expect those guys to be a factor in this game, which will, I think, on the on the back end, help out Kalen King, help out those guys um, playing corner and uh, with that vertical passing game. Now, having said that, those four that four guys that I mentioned, I don't think that you're like doing anything crazy to get Abdul involved. I think you can rush him from his linebacker spot, but I don't see him putting his hand on the ground this time. Yeah, I do see that being a, f- a potential future option, uh, kind of like they were planning on doing with Micah the year that he opted out. He opted out, you know, sort of playing him all over the place, putting his hand in the dirt, moving some guys, you know, moving Deny inside to rush the passer over the center, or maybe potentially moving Amin Van over um, into that role as well. Um, I think he wants to. Excuse me. I think he wants to rush the passer. I think he wants to show that he's got that opportunity to um, be a an edge, like an, an edge edge guy on the three four pass rush that whatever you want to call it with uh with uh with his draft stock so i think that that is something that happens eventually i don't think they're going to run to that all that often um Mm -hmm. this this weekend um but it is in the defense like it it is they they developed a package late in the year where they would go from a four two front and they would uh you know go to a five one essentially go to a bear front where he would walk down and they would run with you know two five uh techs and then him and i think adisa isaac or chop robinson so it's even in the defense right now but i i I, whether they lean on it more or not, I think is matchup dependent, like Fitz is saying. Yeah, I think the more is the the optimal thing that here I'm I'm trying to to address here is I think we yeah. see that more in the future. I don't know that we see that um, more than we already have uh, this weekend because remember you're losing Chop Robinson, but there's still pretty pretty good defensive ends there, and they <laughs> want to get Jamel Lyons involved as well. Yeah, although I'm not sure that they're going to like do that in a sense that he's going to be in the rotation. Uh, no, I, I yeah, I will say this. If I can just add one thing quick, uh, Jamil Lyons was the talk of the defensive players media sessions today. Now that's us directing them to do that. But, oh, man, uh, Curtis Jacobs said in one of the developmental scrimmages they had during bowl week practice or uh, lead up to the bowl game. Can't even talk this morning. He had on three consecutive plays, a sack, a strip sack and a PBU. And he said it was just really special to watch him play. And they think he's going to be a stud, which you guys have been talking about for a long time. But, yeah, uh, if he ends up getting some run more than usual uh, on Saturday, don't be surprised if good things happen. 
I want to go, and we've talked about this in in a number of different ways, but I specifically, I want to ask about uh, the cornerback depth because it seems like if you're going to absorb some losses, you just mentioned Jameel Lyons. We haven't even mentioned Tony Rojas and how he can factor into this game. And I actually think it's interesting. I haven't seen him play Sam since the spring last year. He's been playing Will this whole time. So how does he factor into Curtis Jacobs snaps and all of those things? Uh, But the cornerback position is the one area on defense you would say they don't necessarily have the depth to just keep going like they can lose chop robinson and they won't be as good but they're not gonna have a massive drop off um uh, greg what have you seen from the cornerback position this week and then fitz i want to come to you and just get your general assessment of some of those younger guys and talking more specifics about that so greg Sorry. what have you seen this I, yeah. week in that group I got totally sidetracked. Florida State players are apparently talking about raising a banner if they go undefeated and calling themselves national champions. I <laughs> okay. Um, Florida thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about? Cornerbacks? You said in the depth there. Is that, where, yeah, is that right? Yeah. 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 What have you seen from those guys this yeah. week? The the young corners out there at at practice. Yeah. So so you know obviously at these practices we don't see anything in terms of team period in terms of uh, seven on seven even most of the time. So uh, you can't draw too many conclusions. But Cam Miller is going to have a bigger role today or on Saturday. That's obvious. Um, he was working a lot with the older uh, cornerbacks who are at practice, Kalen King and those guys. So it was good to see that he's going to play, uh, you know, talking to Keaton Ellis a little bit and Daquan Hardy a little bit. I do expect to see a little bit more of Zion Tracy, excuse me, and Elliot Washington uh, in the rotation. Not, you know, I'm not saying they're going to play every other series, but, you know, with Daquan Hardy going to the NFL, Kalen King going to the NFL, somebody has to take these snaps that those guys don't get. So I would expect to see more of those two. And I think they feel good about their depth, but look, uh, there's a component of this, whether it's, uh, you know, Jamil Lyons or Tony Rojas or King Mack or Elliot Washington or uh, Zion Tracy, that they're going to be thrust into roles uh, potentially that they have yet to play at the college level in terms of not coming in when it's the other team, second team offense, or the game is so out of hand that, you know, if you make a mistake, ah, so what, you know, they're going to come into some situations potentially uh, where this is a close, you know, close game. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what those guys do, but I'm not sure you could ask for a better springboard, whether they get five snaps or 20 uh, for those guys into the 2024 season. So, yeah, we'll see how that all works out. It really kind of comes down in my mind to how much they want to play Kalen King and Daquan Hardy and then what they do with those reps from there. It fits. How do you feel about seeing Hardy on the outside? I think that's something that uh, you brought up early this month, and I've just taken a run with it because, you know, talking about draft evaluations, things that guys need to prove, here's a good opportunity for that. Uh, do you think that's that's a fair uh, expectation for this uh, for this coming weekend? Yes, I don't. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about trust. Like the, he's played a lot of football. Um, he knows how to play on the outside. Just because he's been a nickel guy doesn't mean that he can't play on the outside. He did some uh, in the latter portion of the season, and I yeah. think that that's like a lot, a lot to do with trust there. So I think we do see some of that, and I do think we see some of more of the kids. I mean, Cam Miller. It's it's you know he's he's going to be a junior next year, which is like hard to find. Yeah, that's mind blowing. Yeah, just just played special teams last year, yeah. which I think it was worth it. it helped him you know come along, but uh, he's going to be a starting corner next year and we're going to see what zion tracy has they're very high on him um as a true freshman and he's he's played i think he's played really well on special teams like people have overlooked how well he has played on special teams so i'm excited to see what kind of progress you can get from a position standpoint that is still a thin room next year and we're going to talk about that all off season they haven't done anything in the portal um you know offered one guy and tried to get him in for a visit he committed to louisville so like that's uh kind of where they're at with that they wanted to get sion lalea in that did not work out at the end of the uh signing period um so yeah you're 
you're going to you're going to have this conversation on into the spring. So it's 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 nothing that's going to be new. It's nothing that's going to be surprising us. But you want to see if Zion can be as a true sophomore, uh, a number one frontline starter. Oh, we don't know. We don't know one way or the other yet. I'm, and a little bit of a sidetrack here, but Penn State has proven that they can put corners into the NFL. You know, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon are both going to be drafted. Whether they're drafted in the first round, they're going to be drafted maybe in the second and third. Um, Joey Porter Jr., Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown, like DBs are going to the NFL from Penn State now. Uh, kind of like defensive end. How, how much is NIL a problem here for corner? Because there seems to be, it would be an obvious landing situation for a Penn State corner, or am I overestimating Penn State's value on the corner market for transfers fits? No, I, I think that it is an issue, especially if you look at where, um, you know, they, they offered uh, Gardner, it was a Gardner from UCF. He visited Ole Miss and then he visited Louisville. Those are two of the schools that are just like thrown around like crazy right now. So like there's, Penn State was going to have an uphill climb in terms of getting him on but you you do kind of balance that out with the way that you've produced defensive backs specifically cornerbacks in the last several years so you know you you got to basically bring them in and have them trust you to get them to the league um and that's not always the easiest thing we saw it with storm duck last year i mean storm duck was here for a couple of months so um you kind of figure out what's uh what's what that room makeup is all about um but you you got to get those guys in so i don't think it's a true nil play um but you know certainly that that would help for a guy that uh, that could come in and be a plug and play guy so the the question i was going to ask you before that kind of train tracked right through the middle of my brain was uh we were talking about the corners and zion tracy but really cam miller two guys that i think on either side of the ball that are really interesting as far as this is their audition for next year is drew shelton at left tackle and cam miller are you paying special attention to those guys because they're the expected ascendant into the top position at two of the most important positions in football against a good team that they're going to see this weekend I'm sorry. I had to take a look at Daniel Harris to, to see what was going on. Can Can you repeat the question, sir? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so you got you <laughs> we're got all over guys. the place this morning. <laughs> hey, it is the time between Christmas and New Year's. You're lucky that I'm sitting upright. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and apparently everyone is choosing Thursday morning to make news um, with Florida State, and all. that feels very Dan Lebatardi from what I uh, from from what I was listening to a couple weeks ago. Um, so the question is, you've got okay. Cam Miller on one side, you've got Drew Shelton on the other, two guys that are ascending into the left tackle position, presumably, and the top corner on the team. Are you paying special attention to their performance in this game as an indicator of maybe an early return on what 2024 might be for the Nittany Lions, engaging your expectation based on here are two very important guys that have to do it now? No, I'm not, because I don't think they're going to be much different players than they were a month and a half ago, you know, or a month ago. So I, I don't I don't want to take this and say, you know, Drew Shelton, like sprung that block last year for Nick Singleton. That did that get him onto the field? Did that get him more playing time this year? Not really. So, like, I have a, a, a problem with putting too much stock into one game. Um, you want to see you want to see those guys play well, obviously. But at the same time, like you, you kind of have an understanding of what they are at this point. Um, now, I think Cam Miller can be a, a really good player here. Like, that's not, uh, and, and I think Shelton too. Like, uh, I think they can be really good players here. But I'm not going to judge their 2024 based off of what they do on Saturday. 
Fair enough. Uh, the last question I got, and this is for both of you. We'll start with Greg. Can Penn State defend this Ole Miss attack? Because if there's one thing that they've been able to do, they've been able to generate explosive plays, whether in the run game or the pass game. And Penn State has been able to contain both of those things pretty well this year. So, Greg, what are your thoughts? And then it's going to kind of lead into our prediction. So give me how you think this game is going to go and, and start with, do you think that they're going to be able to contain this offense? Yeah, going back to something Sean said a few minutes ago, I was just looking through some transcripts from this morning. Curtis Jacobs said he did not even talk about playing restrictions. So, yeah, to your point, Sean, uh, it's going to be tough to get him off the field, which is great news uh, for this Penn State defense and will help them contain uh, that Ole Miss offense that, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we've talked a bit here. Uh, the running back's very good. They have very good receivers. Jackson Dart can beat you uh, with his arm and with his leg. So it's going to be a challenge. That said, I think Penn State has certainly faced some good offenses this year and uh, was able to keep the big plays for the most part in check. Cur- curious to see. I think the biggest problem with predicting this game is how do you account for Anthony Proindexter calling the plays and not Manny Diaz? How do you account for what these guys that we've talked about earlier in the show, how much are they going to play? How much are they not going to play? And are these young guys ready to play on the big stage? And, you know, everyone will say, you know, all their teammates and coaches will say that they are. Uh, but until you're on an NFL field and you have, uh, you know, a very good receiver coming right at you or a big, big running back. I mean, what does he have, Sean? Like 550 carries or something? I mean, He's, he's a bulldozer. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was Quinchon so. Jung, Quinchon Jung has, was in that class with uh, with Katron and Nick, and he's got. I want to say he's got 551 carries through two years. They right. lean yeah. on him heavy. He had 33 carries against LSU. Um, a right. very good player. Um, his production dipped a little bit in the sophomore year, but a very very good player and somebody that you're going to have to account for. But he's just going to he's going to hit you over the head like several times. He's a really talented guy. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see how much tread he's got by the time the NFL rolls around. But uh, you look at, I think. Uh, Catron uh, and Nick have 600 and six, 650 to 700 carries between them total. And these, this guy himself has 551. Like that's, that's a lot of wear and tear right there for, for a running back who is a damn good player. But at the yeah, same time, right. it's going to be interesting in the long run, which we're not going to be talking about him, you know, uh, on a Penn State podcast next spring for the draft or whatever. So, um, but it's, right. uh, it, it's a really good, really good rushing attack. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is, is vulnerable. Sorry to Greg if I'm, I'm, it, I'm it going here. No, that's okay. Yeah. They're, Penn State's going to miss Chop Robinson. I saw somebody made a comment about it, like not having Chop Hurts, obviously. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. he's a great, like an elite player, like first round pick in my mind. Um, but uh, not having him is going to hurt. But Penn State's still got some pretty good ones there. I think the the thing that you look at is that uh, one of Ole Miss, Miss's strengths matches up with one of Penn State, where Penn State's shorthanded, and that's uh, in, in at cornerback right now. So that's, uh, that's where you leave these questions uh, unanswered until Saturday. So it's going to be a very interesting game. And I'm, I'm not sure really how to handicap it because of, uh, the uncertainty of, of some of these rotations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the news this week for me personally has kind of reinforced what I was feeling was that Penn State's defense should be able to, with the guys playing however much they play, uh, I, I'm more positive about how Penn State matches up against this team from a what they like to do perspective. Uh, but I want to get your guys' opinion. Let's, let's get to some predictions here. Greg, come back to you to start. Um, I don't know if you've made one yet, but do you have a prediction for the game? <laughs> I made one. I'm not sure how confident I am in it. Uh, I, I picked Penn State to win 30 to 24. I think that 
if you look, I, I can see this game playing out one of two, one of two ways. I think it's either going to be a slog and both teams struggle to get to 20, or you're going to see a game where I, I could see Penn State and Ole Miss getting close to 30. So 30, 24 is what I went with. Not like I said, if I was going to pick it again this morning, I'd probably pick it 34, 31 Penn State. And if I was going to pick it again tomorrow morning, I'd probably have a different score on there. I do think that, um, you know, it's interesting to me that the line's gone up from three and a half to four and a half uh, over the last day. That's kind of notable to me. But other than that, it's just it's a tough game to handicap. You have co-interim defensive coordinator, co-interim offensive coordinators. You have guys that are going to play, but you don't know how much. Uh, you have an Ole Miss, like Sean said, offensive line that I think you can get to. But will Penn State be able to get to uh, Jackson Dart? Is he going to hurt them with his legs? Will you have young guys on defense make mistakes when it comes to being gap accountable and things like that? So it is a brutal game to handicap. If I was a better, I think I would just take the over and see what happens because that's really about the only thing I have any level of confidence in. If you were a better, you're just not betting on this one. That's all. Right. <laughs> uh, Fitz, what do you think? Now, now that Greg said that, I'm going to fully take the under. Um, no, but I think it's, a t- I agree with Greg. It's a tough one to handicap. I think Ole Miss is a good team. Um, I think these guys or these teams are sort of in a similar situation. You look at them as 10 win teams and they lost to the Giants on their schedule. They had each had one, I think, really good win. Uh, Penn State beat Iowa. Uh, Ole Miss beat LSU. Like, but nobody's going to give them credit for that because they lost to Georgia, Alabama, you know, Penn State, and Michigan, or Michigan and Ohio State. So right. I think that that's kind of where you look at that, and that's that that is the uh, the storyline of this game. So I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. James Franklin has coached well in uh, New Year's Six games. Like that's yeah. uh, for all the the guff that we give him about the the big games. The New Year's Six games is is uh, something that he's had success with. Um, you get time to prepare, as somebody's uh, just mentioned as well. Um, so it's it's an interesting game. I have Penn State winning 34-31. I think there will be points. Like, and I think Penn State will give up points. Um, and that's not something that we're used to saying. Um, but the potential is there for them to, to to hit a couple of big plays, especially if they're a little bit shorthanded in the secondary. Yeah, and I, I'm changing my uh, my pick from yesterday. And I'll probably change it again tomorrow, as you guys have said. But with the new information of Kalen King playing however much he plays, Daquan Hardy playing, I feel more confident about Penn State's ability to set up for success because this is a team, again, unless Kane, Lane Kiffin decides he's going to change the way he uh, calls this game and be more pass heavy and throw on first down and do more trying to attack that weakness. This offense, what they try to do is they run with deception. So they use their quarterback as part of the run game. I think that's the biggest variable here where Penn State hasn't always been sharp at that. But they try to get Quinshawn Judkins and and, uh, Dayton Wade as a gadget player. A lot of guys in space using misdirection. Penn State's so good at just being better than that. They have done a great job all year about containing runs and getting in the backfield and blowing up plays despite whatever you might get in front of them from an eye candy perspective. Both uh, Abdul Carter and uh, uh, Kobe King have been great at the end of the season in diagnosing and attacking the run game. You shut that down and I think they'll have a pretty good job of doing that. They fall more into that uh, Georgia and Alabama style of defense that can shut down that run game. And when you do that, it puts a lot on Jackson Dart. And I don't think they actually want to do that because of what you guys have mentioned with the offensive line. Then it's just Penn State in the same position they've been all year. They're going to go eat. They're going to beat these tackles. And it's going to be, can they get the quarterback on the ground? 
I'm going 31-20. I think that they can get it. I think they can limit the offense, maybe not the whole game, but uh, they'll be able to win this game. Uh, any last thoughts from you guys? Uh, this is a, Anthony put this in the chat. If I was a better, I'd stay away from this game. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that that you're right on that one too. Fitz, Fitz agrees in the chat. Fitz, any last thoughts here to get us out on the show? Not really. I'm looking forward to an entertaining game. I think that this is of the matchups that you know could have potentially fallen. I think this is probably the most entertaining option. Um, Lane, yeah. of course, is, is always entertaining him in himself um but at the same time it's uh you know it's an offense i always like watching offense uh this this offense defense sort of uh combination matchup is is always fun to watch so uh, not not gonna have another game for nine months so you know enjoy it Greg, uh, what's coming up from you this week? What's the itinerary down in Atlanta for you over the next I couple of days? I have honestly no idea out? at this point. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea at this point. No. Um, let's see. We're done with interviews for today. We have no practice today. Tomorrow morning is going to be a fascinating uh, half hour of a joint news conference between James Franklin and Lane Kiffin. I'm curious to watch that and see how that goes, uh, especially if NIL comes up. It, it, I think it actually may. It has a the potential to be one of the more entertaining uh, moments, I think, of this week. Just those two sitting there answering questions together. So I'm not a fan of the joint head coaches news conference, but I'm okay with this one. Um, other than that, then it'll be game day. And to Sean's point, uh, one last chance to watch uh, Penn State in 2023. Uh, and these are the kind of games you think about in like June when you're waiting for the new season to get here and it's not even close at all so i uh, hope everyone enjoys it those traveling uh do so safely and hey to the guy that was watching on the plane uh please let me know how you uh, managed <laughs> to do that I, i've been thinking about that since he said it so um i clearly don't delta, have the right internet packages he said it was delta so that was uh, that's what you had earlier yeah, well hopefully week. they didn't they didn't hopefully they didn't have you delayed in your uh destination you left from but we'll just leave it at that yeah, Greg's a little salty after his travel from uh, Tuesday. So we'll uh, we'll get them as a sponsor on the show, and then we'll be able to talk about them, and uh, we'll get you some priority flights or something like that, Greg. Uh, we got a full game week coverage now that we're back in the saddle and everyone's here. Former Blue White Illustrated reporter Dave Eckert, he covers Ole Miss now. He's going to be joining us on the show tomorrow, get his perspective. We'll be bouncing ideas off each other about the game. You'll get a third game preview, this time from that perspective, coming up tomorrow. Of course, we'll have everything Greg just talked about about with the press conferences. We'll have that at bluewhiteillustrated.com as well as here on the YouTube channel. And the tailgate show is back. We'll be coming to you 9 a.m. Eastern on Blue White Illustrated's YouTube channel. You can catch that at 99.5 The Bus locally as well. So we'll have full uh, slate of coverage for game day as well. Check out the post game show. Check out all of our videos. And I want to thank uh, one last thing. I want to thank all the people that have mentioned, hey, T. Frank, your audio is super low. I couldn't figure it out for like two and a half weeks, but you kept pestering me about it. I think we fixed it. So if you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening uh, or you're replying on the YouTube comments, I think we got it fixed. I'll find out when we get out of here and I look at the audio. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Blue White Illustrated live show.